You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone. Welcome to the DC Powerhouse Podcast. This is number 31. It is August 20th, and we are going to talk some uh, some international college basketball, I guess, today. Sounds weird to say, but, um, you know, one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot is that, uh, you know, every, I believe it's four years, um, each college program can take an international trip. They can go compete against some international teams, uh, obviously sightsee as well as they go, um, and then, uh, you know, gain gain some experience, some bonding, uh, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, sometimes it helps the team, sometimes it, it doesn't seem to have an effect, or at least not immediately. But uh, it is something, one of the bigger things that happens during the summer that uh, does get press among some, doesn't among others. Um, you know, again, kind of reminds me, you know, this is the time of the year with preseason NFL, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, you can take meaning out of it or you can, you know, simply say that, you know, it's it's not the same as, uh, you know, regular season games. So, I mean, you can you can kind of take it uh, however you want, I guess, is uh, the moral of the story. But, but I did want to take some time to talk about some of the teams that have already concluded their trips some of the teams that are still over there, and then uh, another team in Michigan State that is yet to go, but they will. Um, Just to kind of recap here, uh, Illinois, Minnesota, and Nebraska have all went. They've been playing overseas. Um, We're going to talk about some of the takeaways with a few different uh, writers, both on our staff and also from some other sites. Uh, But today we are going to talk about, or we're going to start with the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and we have uh, David from Corn Nation. Uh, David, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Um, so obviously it's a, uh, it's sort of a exciting but also a unpredictable time, I guess, for Nebraska next season. Um, yeah. They did, yeah. Um, well, why don't we, before we get into their trip here for a second, uh, mm-hmm. what, what are your general thoughts on the team uh, ending last year and coming into next season? Uh, well, I mean, there's no question that last year was a massive disappointment. Uh, we had the bulk of your production returning from a, an NCAA tournament team, and then just to see them play as, as poorly as they did, especially in conference play, was really, really disappointing. So um, that said, I think there's a lot of excitement um, with the new talent that's going to be on the floor next year. Um, and so... Uh, you know, on paper, this this will be the most talented team that's been in Nebraska for a long time. Now, it's going to be young. This is not going to be a whole lot of experience, and they're still lacking some front court play, um, size specifically, that um, will present some challenges for this team. But in terms of raw physical talent, uh, there's going to be more than has been in Nebraska for a long time. So there's, there's some optimism, certainly, whether that will 
present itself on the court next year or if we have to wait another year or so to actually see that in the results that we're hoping for uh, it remains to be seen. But in terms of talent, um, I mean, there, there's a lot of optimism. It's just whether that will translate itself immediately. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I remember seeing some stat, uh, I, I want to say a couple weeks ago, but um, I don't know if it's this year or next year, but Nebraska set to have like four starters that were four stars. Um, I don't remember the stat exactly. I mean, but, you know, some of them coming in as transfers, some coming in as recruits. Right. But um, but for a program like Nebraska that obviously doesn't have the richest history out there, um, that's definitely a, a big statement, I would I would think. No question about it. Um, you know, since recruiting and ratings and star ratings and all of this stuff has come into um, popularity in the last, what, 15, 20 years, up until last year, Nebraska had never signed the top 150 kids at all. Um, and so, I mean, just think about that. I mean, look, that, that's 20 years where you've had no um, top flight talent come into the program. Well, just on this year's team alone, um, Glenn Watson and Ed Morrow from Chicago are both top 150 kids. Coming out of high school, Andrew White III, the transfer from Kansas, was a top 50 player uh, by some of the breaking grading services. They also picked up Anton Gill out of Louisville as a transfer. He's a top 50 kid. And then coming in as a freshman next year, Isaiah Roby out of Chicago, he's a top 150 talent. So that's what, five players, two, three-year span that um, uh, that's a, a talent and stuff like that that has literally never been seen in Nebraska since maybe arguably the early 90s, mid to early 90s. And so, um, yeah, the it's almost unprecedented the amount of talent that's coming into the program. Now, you know, caveat is they have to actually turn that into production on the floor, and they haven't done that yet. So um, we'll see. But in terms of talent, there's a, a dramatic uptick in uh, what we're seeing at, 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 uh, come into the program. Yeah, the, the interesting thing, I think, um, you know, at least for me, I kind of, when I always do my season previews, I kind of start with what happened last year and then kind of gradually move on into what to expect next year. And, and my first instinct was it's going to be a rough year for Nebraska, just right. looking at what they lost last year. But, you know, looking at some of the pieces they're bringing in, some of the guys that could come up, um, yeah, it, they're an interesting team. I, I still think, you know, it's going to be a battle for them to kind of get out of that lower tier, middle to bottom but um, but yeah, they're one of the more talented teams down there, so it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, I agree. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of uh, this international trip, um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I, I was talking about it a little bit before you came on, but um, it kind of reminds me of preseason football, you know, for the NFL, you know, which mm-hmm. is going on right now. But you know, you can take right. whatever you want out of it. You know, you can buy into it and claim, you know, they're going to the Final Four, or you can say, you know. <laughs> It doesn't matter. But um, right. when you look at a team like Nebraska that I, I think, you know, for better or worse, this is a transitional year, um, you know, losing players sure. like Petaway and Pitchford. Um, what what did you want to see out of the team uh, when they went on this trip? Um, so you're probably aware that uh, at Nebraska, they're also transitioning um, a new football coach. Mike Riley, he's starting his first season as head coach. 
One of the things that he said recently about his program when they were starting fall practice is that it kind of looked like football. What I wanted <laughs> to see out of these exhibition games is that it kind of looked like basketball, and that's what I've seen. Um, I mean, it, they're still trying to figure out how to play with each other. Um, they, they're playing with international rules, so they're not the same rules that they're going to be playing with uh, come November. Um, and so there's some challenges that go along with that, maybe a few more turnovers because of that than normal. Um, but when I watch the games, I, it looks like basketball. And I think that's a good place to start because sometimes when you throw so many new pieces in, it just looks – it's not pretty. Um, but you see – you can see the talent of guys like Glenn Watson who um, can get into the lane and can make passes uh, in traffic, which uh, Nebraska struggled with the past few years. Um, you, you can see that they're playing pretty well on defense. Uh, again, you don't know how what sort of talent they're going against. Um, you know, guys like Webster is even are even playing well. Of course, he's more familiar with the FIBA rules. Maybe that's part of it. Um, and Morrow, Ed Morrow has made some pretty uh, spectacular plays as well. So even guys like Jack McVeigh and, and Michael Jacobson, they, they are playing um, pretty well within the system as well. So it's, it, I guess what I'm encouraged by is that it, it looks like it looks like basketball. Um, and that's maybe an overly simplistic way to look at it. Um, but that's what these trips are for. They're not necessarily about uh, looking like a finished product. They're more of a team-building experiences than they are anything. And, and from what it sounds like, all of that is happening. So that's that's what I hope to see, and it looks like that's what's happening. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of that group, I, I know you talked about a couple. Uh, who, who do you think mm-hmm. were the guys that – performed well, um, you know, maybe guys that uh, surprised you a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, what they showed overseas. Yeah. Uh, in terms of surprises, uh, he's been around for a couple years. I missed him a little bit, but uh, he's been double digit, double digits in uh, both games. Um, he's, he's played well, um, it looks like. Uh, and I haven't been able to watch all of both of the games, but you know, he's not um, – he's not – Doing things that hurt the team, he's uh, and like I said, he's put a double. Led, he led the team in scoring the first game, and he was second leading scorer the second game for 13 points. So um, that was really encouraging. And if that, and if he can take a step up for Nebraska, it's huge, huge um, for him to mature. And his third year in the program, um, hopefully that's the case. Um, I think Jack McVeigh has been a, a pretty Nice surprise as well. Um, a kid from Australia who came over uh, after playing uh, in the FIBA, underneath Australia, uh, in their uh, season that finished up in July. He came over and he has, has played pretty well. He's made a uh, couple of really nice passes, and he just looks like he knows how to play. They, they praised his basketball IQ quite a bit. He didn't score a lot of points the second game, but he... Um, I'm looking up here now. He had what do you have? He had double digits. He was in. He had ten points in the first game, um, and so uh, that he has been encouraging too. He's a really intriguing player. He's long. Um, he's only six seven, but he has a six eleven wingspan. So I think that's going to allow him to play um, probably a couple different positions, which uh, Nebraska is going to need guys who can play positions. I think. Uh, especially down on uh, on the four or five spots. So, 
I would say those two yeah. guys. Yeah, I think um, you know Webster's an interesting one. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys that you always feel like he's gonna, you know, he's just a a little bit away from being a really good player, right. but just hasn't been able to put it together. Um, so he'll be an interesting one uh, to watch when he yeah. comes back. Um, on the flip side, uh, not to say anyone disappointed, but um, what are some questions that you still have having watched them? Um, some areas that probably still need a bit of work before uh, we get into the fall here um, for Nebraska. Sure. Well, um, one thing, obviously they're going to have to figure out how to defend uh, in the post. I mean, so if a guy like Jake Hammond uh, can contribute anything, that would be good. That's still very much a concern is post defense. Um, they haven't shot the ball as well as I would, was hoping they would, you know, with guys like White and um, uh, Fuller um, back. They haven't shot the ball, especially from three, very well overseas. They're only one of seven, it looks like. That's just the first half. There are four of, what's that? Let's say, 13. Four of 13 in the last game, or in the first game. Um, and so... You know, we hear about White's shooting exploits in practice and that sort of thing. So you're hoping to see that transfer to the court, and it hasn't quite yet. Um, so that's a concern. If if they want to avoid teams packing the lane like they did last year and just shutting down uh, what made them so good two years ago when they made their run, uh, they're going to have to hit outside shots. So those two things, post defense and um, outside shooting, are going to be uh, paramount for this team if they're going to have any success uh, this year. Um, and, and, and finally, uh, you know, this kind of spins back to, uh, you know, what we started with, but, you know, what do you think they can take away in terms of, uh, you know, contributions or, um, just in general from this trip? Well, I think a lot of it, kind of like I mentioned earlier, is that, uh, these are team building trips. So the results, I mean, sure they want to win and, Coach Miles has talked about um, he, you know, he, they're playing four games, so they want two competitive games: one game where they get killed, and one game where they blow the other team out. Um, and so, it's more about learning how do you how do you uh, respond in uh, difficult, in crunch time, respond in uncomfortable environments. Um, how do you come together as a team? And those are the things that I think uh, we're looking for on this trip. So. Um, I, I think those are the things that, that it, if they can answer some of those things, that'll be really helpful for them as they enter uh, the season. So, yeah, yeah, it it should be interesting. Um, I know it's going to be a uh, kind of unpredictable year uh, coming in for Nebraska, but uh, yeah. but David, thanks for joining us, and uh, for everyone who hasn't checked out Coordination. Um, great coverage on Nebraska, you know, obviously a lot of football, <laughs> um, which Nebraska <laughs> fans love, and uh, some basketball as well. So thanks for checking us out, David. You bet. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, again, that was uh, Dave McGee from uh, Corn Nation. I encourage everyone to um, check out Corn Nation, even if you're not a big uh, Husker fan. Um, they have a lot of a lot of great content. Um, and, and to kind of spin off of that, um, you know, as we were talking about you know, Nebraska is going to have a really interesting team next year. The, you know, you, one of the, one of the things that I like to do going into a season is kind of, you know, when I do my preview, I like to put them in tiers 
in the sense that, you know, you know, these teams, you know, you like this team maybe more than this team, but they're really all in that same sort of range. Uh, Nebraska is going to be a really hard one to put in there. Um, you know, if you have, for instance, uh, not to rip on them, but Rutgers does not look like a great team coming in the next year. You know, they still have a lot to work on. Um, you know, they're probably going to finish somewhere in the lower tier, so to speak. But Nebraska, you know, if a guy like uh, Watson or Webster can really hit, um, Andrew White is obviously a guy with a really high ceiling. You know, if guys like that can come in, click right away, um, you know, that team could be really competitive in the Big Ten. And uh, frankly, you know, they could get themselves into NCAA tournament contention if things go right. Um, again, that that's going to take some time uh, to figure out. Um, they're going to need some guys to really step up. But I don't think that is uh, too crazy of a thought. Um, and, and, you know, that's it, it's kind of a, a, an unusual position for some of those teams. Again, not to just keep belaboring this point, but, um, you know, because you can have high expectations or low expectations, depending on what you think of some of those teams. So Nebraska is in an interesting spot. Um, before we have uh, our next guest on, um, we're going to have Adam Biggers from uh, Today's You. He's also, he does some freelance stuff from us, for us now and again. He's been on one of our podcasts in the past, but uh, he puts out a lot of great coverage for Today's You. Um, I do some writing for them as well, uh, really across college sports, uh, football, basketball, um, all the conferences, uh, a lot of great coverage over there if, you, if you're if you passionate about college sports, which I assume you are if you're listening to our podcast. Um, but uh, definitely recommend checking them out. But before he comes on, um, one of the teams I did want to talk about uh, just briefly here is Minnesota. Um they they took their trip overseas. Uh, really had a solid performance. Um, they're kind of a uh, a unique team in the sense that uh, you know they're sort of like Nebraska, but I don't think they have quite as much potential because they don't have those elite recruits. But um, you know Joey King had a nice trip. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people kind of think has a lower ceiling, but I I do think he has a nice potential to be a real contributor this year. Um, Dorsey had a really nice debut. Uh, for the Gophers, he could be a really big difference maker um, for the team uh, next season. Um, and then the other one who I I really would uh, wanted to talk about was uh, Carlos Morris. Um, he's really really shown consistency over there. Which last year, you know, a little bit of up and down. Um, you know, he not many people are really going to expect him to be the massive difference maker. Um, but you know, if he can if he can be productive night in night out, he could really help Minnesota up, uh, elevate themselves to the next level. But um, you know, we'll still have to wait and see. Minnesota really they need they need that star power. They need a guy to really emerge if they're going to make that difference. And they need definitely need someone in that front court to emerge. You know, they have they have a couple guys with a lot of potential in uh, you know Keontae and Diao, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they actually can. Um, but with Nate Mason and Dorsey in that backcourt, uh, they could be a dangerous team, you know, if things go right. But, but again, I, I just wanted to talk about them briefly so they aren't left out here. But uh, it looks like Adam is calling in. Uh, Adam, how's everything going? 
Everything's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, so I wanted to talk about Michigan State. Uh, they haven't they haven't left yet. Um, <laughs> for their overseas trip, but um, you know, obviously it's gonna be it could be big for next season. Um, before we jump into that though, Adam, uh, what are your thoughts sort of on Michigan State? You know, ending last year, they made the Final Four. Uh, coming into next year, uh, what are kind of your thoughts, expectations um, about the team? Well, I hate I hate to beat a dead horse here, but I think everybody knows. I didn't expect a final uh, final four last season. To be honest with you, I thought that a Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight would be topping out. Uh, expect the unexpected. He's got a lot of talent. Um, Izzo, there's Denzel Valentine returning. Uh, Matt Costello, if he, he can get consistent, I think he can help a lot. They have a good freshman class with Deontay Davis. I was at practice last night at the Breslin Center, and, and Deontay just looks, if you remember in, in the film on YouTube, like his videos and highlight reels and everything, he looked kind of get, uh, lanky a little bit. Not so at all. This kid's built. He's got a pro body. Right. I mean, I don't know right now, but he's got a pro body. He he will definitely play at the next level. I think. Um, you know, you're losing Travis Trice or losing Brandon Dawson, two key seniors. The coaching's there. The development's there. Really excited about Tom Tom and Marvin Clark. So I I think right now, if you just look at the Spartans at face value, these guys are are a team that can compete for a Big Ten championship. Right. I don't. I don't even think that that's a question. I think they're going to be one of you know the the three better teams. I, they they overachieved last year, in in my opinion. And I think this year, like I said, despite the loss of Trice and despite the loss of Dawson, they're they're going to be pretty tough. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I uh, I've been sort of recapping each Big Ten team uh, over the course of the summer, and uh, I'm on Michigan State right now, and it it's just. They were such an odd team last year. Uh, you know, they'd win uh, a bunch of games and then they lose just in head scratching fashion. But um it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, with more talent, uh at least in my opinion, uh where they can where they can get next year. Um but in in terms of the of the trip here, uh when when they do make the trip, uh what sort of things are you looking to see uh from the team? Well, I think I think right now, just with it being, uh, first of all, that a lot of them are excited. This is the first. This will be the first time for uh, I know for sure Deontay Davis. This will be the first time he's ever been out of the country. Uh, I think that uh, they're you know not only getting a chance to go to Italy and see the sights and, and have fun as a team and as friends, but they're going to play all-star teams over there, high-level competition. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely. A business mentality, I, w- I would think so, with Izzo, but at the same time to let them get loose a little bit, have fun, and enjoy themselves. I think it's really important right now, especially for the freshman class. I, I was talking with Kyle Arns a little bit, and he told me that he and uh, Matt McQuaid and Deontay, their dorms are, are, are close together. There's a, a walk-on, and forgive me, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, Connor. I don't know his last name. Sorry, Connor. Uh, but they all they all like to eat lunch together. They they hang out together, you know, and getting to know each other. So I think that this trip is going to be really important for them in terms of just uh, finding their role. Because if you you know if you look at this, at the, not only the athletic change but the social change. A year ago, these guys were in school, you know, with four, 13 and 14 year olds, you know, maybe 14 year olds. Now they're in school 
with 20-year-olds, 21, 22. You know, uh, Aaron Harris is getting getting ready to turn uh, 22 years old. So, you know, they're not with kids anymore. And uh, I think that this is just – this will be important for them. You know, you cross the Atlantic with some guys and play some basketball in Italy, uh, can't do anything but tighten your bond. Um, and one of the guys you, you talked about was uh, Aaron Harris. Um, obviously, there's been a little off off the court trouble with uh, a couple of the MSU players. Um, first off, uh, any thoughts on that? Um, any inclinations of how that a potential punishment might play out? I know things are sort of up in the air at this point um, going into next season. Well, they're not going to play. I know. Uh, I know that uh, Alvin Ellis. He had the uh, couple of MIPs. He will not play in the four games in Italy. They're scheduled for at least four. They may play more, but I know four for a fact. Um, Aaron will not play either. And Aaron's incredibly lucky to be on the team. He said as much last night. He said that he was thankful. Uh, Izzo says that at this point he doesn't look at it. He doesn't think that Alvin Ellis and Aaron Harris are problem child. They're, Problem children. They're not bad guys, you know. They're or horrible people. They made they made pretty stupid mistakes. And obviously Harris, um, a little more severe than just on my P. Actually drinking, you know, he got he got uh, arrested for DWI. So that that is pretty severe. It could have been much worse. And I, I think that you know, as a as a young man, he's looking at it like, okay, well, this was my this was my shot. You know, certainly people make mistakes. You don't want to just cast judgment on this on this one incident, but at the same time, he knows that he's got a lot to do in terms of re-earning trust. And he seemed pretty uh, sincere and, and solemn last night. I think uh, you know he said that he wanted people to learn from his mistake. If he sounded like he's willing, you know, if, they're, if a friend of his or someone's considering, you know, driving uh, buzzed or under the influence, sounds like maybe he's a guy who's going to try to talk him out of it. And uh, but you know that's talk, and he said he said as much. We'll see really what he's about, and you know when he, you know maintaining grades, maintaining uh, you know his level of play on the basketball court, and and just through his actions. And he said that he wants to prove that he's a good-hearted person. He believes that he is one, and uh, you know to to be forgiven. And I you know like I said, you can't. I don't think you can totally. Uh, just blast the guy over over this one incident, but it is it is a major red flag, and I and I think that Harris is probably you know one mistake away from looking for a different team. I really do. Uh, I, I believe that Tom Izzo is not going to uh, give much in terms of leniency when it comes to Aaron Harris, and you know if there are to be future in. Um, and obviously he's one of the uh, you know the guys that are you know talking about Harris here uh, who has kind of high expectations a little bit of a question mark uh, what kind of impact do you think he can make next season because uh, I I don't know if he can be in all Big Ten consideration but I definitely think he could be in you know maybe for the second or third team. Well, I agree, and I mean, I would I would almost even say maybe all Big Ten. I think that he can make a major impact for the guys. They're they're losing. Tra- Look, Trice wasn't known as a scorer. Travis Trice turned it on when it mattered most. I think we're really kind of, and it's it's weird to say this about our team that made it to the Final Four. What held them back last year was that I don't really feel like they had that that guy every night that you knew was going to fill it up, and it, it's hard to do that. 
on a nightly basis. But Michigan State has had elite scorers. I mean, you know, we've seen Kalen Lucas in the past, uh, an excellent scorer as a point guard. Keith Appling was a pretty good scorer as well. Gary Harris had his moments. I think that Aaron Harris would absolutely add so much to this offense in terms of firepower, uh, especially when, I mean, what, he averaged like 17 17.2 or 17.4 as a sophomore at West Virginia. I, I believe that the Aaron Harris has the capability of making this offense complete. And, you know, you look at Bryn Forbes and you look at Denzel Valentine, you throw Aaron Harris in there with that experience, and that's that's pretty good uh, trio right there. Yeah, and, and one of the interesting things I remember, you know, reading about when he, when he first transferred was just how – uh, capable Harris is of creating his own shot, which, you know, obviously Trice really late last year when they made that run was sort of the initiator of the offense. And, you know, if if Harris can create his own shot and really, uh, you know, free up something, some stuff, you know, for Davis, uh, Costello, or some of the others, uh, you know, that'd be huge for the offense, I would think. Yeah, you you want a guy, he, he's, got, he's got the size, a little bit to, you know, to attack the basket, and you like that, obviously, uh, in a basketball player. But I, I think just the, his experience factor could really come in handy. And I think also just when you mention how he can create his own shot, that's very important as well. And you're playing, you know, you got you got three freshmen on this team that are, that are probably going to be seeing decent minutes. So being able to create your own shot, to me, also kind of translates to the ability to make up for others' mistakes. So if maybe something happens, you know, uh, uh, a freshman makes a mistake, Harris is still, you know, going to be, if he's on the floor, he'll be able to do something because that's just what scorers do. They find a way to score, right? So I I think uh, absolutely that, that Harris is, will be a, an excellent addition. Excellent. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we talked about Harris for a little bit here, um, but in terms of some of the newcomers, I know, I know we've talked about him a little bit here, but, uh, who are you looking for to make an impact on the trip? And, uh, on top of that, you know, maybe it's not a newcomer, but, you know, we talked about Clark or Tom Tom, uh, a guy who, uh, did contribute last year, but you're looking to, to take that step and maybe show that in international play. Well, yeah, starting with sophomores, Marvin Clark and, and Tom Tom, hands down, both of those guys. Tom Tom especially, he he looks bigger, his upper body, he, he looks stronger. And, you know, it was just a practice yesterday, but he, the way, you could you can just see the expressions that they're wearing on their faces. And, and Tom Tom was into it, you know. And I and I think he's out there, he's he's yelling. He you, you don't look at him when you see him with, around his teammates, you don't think, well, this guy was a freshman last year. And if you remember back, you know, there are a lot of people at the Draymond Green and Mateen Cleaves have even praised this leadership. And those two, you know, were known for, uh, you know, being great leaders at Michigan State. So Tom uh, Tom really I'm, is the guy that I'm looking at when you when you say next step. Tom Tom's right there, I think. And now that he's stronger, I, I think he'd be, uh, you know, he could stand to improve his shooting. He wasn't a great shooter last year. But that's, I think, part of it is adjusting to the speed of the game. He's not a real big guy either. So he's, he's definitely going to use his speed and his ability to, to uh, you know, get easy layups, get to an open spot for a shot. He's not a guy that's going to be, you know, shooting over, you know, six, seven, six, eight forwards in the paint or anything like that. So 
Tom Tom for the next stop, Marvin Clark as well. Just overall rebounding improvement defensively, you know, in a year makes a big difference. You know, you can ask just about, I would say you can ask any athlete at any school um, who's going in their sophomore year, and they feel completely different than they did 12 months ago because it's just such a, like I mentioned earlier, not only a social change, cultural change, everything, you're just, you know, you're coming into your own. So um, as far as that, Bryn Forbes as well. You know, we saw Bryn last year, I think about 43% from three-point range. Uh, Izzo joked about him not having two picks for arms anymore. And you could see when there was a lot of transformation, you could tell all the guys, you know, hit the weights and everything. Bryn Forbes really looked a lot bigger, his arms uh, especially. And that can only help. You know, you're stronger. You know, you're going to be able to do a little bit more things, be able to go up against stronger players and, uh, you know, exploit their weaknesses a little bit better. So Bryn Forbes definitely is another guy. And, you know, I think I could go on and on. There's probably a case for everybody. I mean, Gavin Schilling. We saw Gavin Schilling, you know, maybe show a sliver of his potential last season. And, and you know, in, in March, I remember Tom Mizzo wasn't, you know, really absolutely pleased with Schilling, and I'll put that nicely. And he questioned Schilling's, you know, love for basketball. He said he's got to fall in love with the game before he can take that next step. So, and I joked about, I think when I wrote, he's got to find a basketball and wrap his arms around and kiss it or whatever. So, you know, if he made out with Wilson over the summer, I think, you know, he's going to be, you know, he stands in good position. So, um, and and like I just mentioned, there's really a case probably for everybody, but those are the guys who stand out to me. Yeah, it'll be be interesting, um, especially considering, you know, how much they have coming back and the expectations for next year, how some of those newcomers or, you know, guys who don't have as much experience, you know, can take that next step. Um, Moving back a little bit in terms of, you know, international play in general, uh, you know, I've I've been talking about it, you know, so far in this podcast that it reminds me a lot of the NFL preseason where, you know, you can take it forever, whatever you want. I mean, you can think you're going to the Final Four, or you can think that, uh, you know, it just doesn't matter at all. Uh, what's sort of your take on that, and how important do you actually think this is? Well, I mean, it's, I can't I can't speak for Tom Izzo, but I have to believe that he's – I mean, like I mentioned earlier, that, yeah, it's going to be fun and games a little bit, you know, a little vacation time, bonding time, but business, business, business. I think, I mean, they're going – they're they're not going over to lose games. I'll tell you that. So I think they're going to approach it like it's a like it's a tournament. Hey, let's let's look at this. It's it's late August. It'll be uh, September first by the time we get back. Let's look at this time as just an early preview of March, and not that they're you know they're they're uh, preseason games. Uh, you know, in November, I think you know opening up the season against Kansas. Not that those aren't challenging, but I think it's just another opportunity to uh, you know kind of throw a different uh, throw a different angle at it and. And I fully believe that they'll go over there and they'll they'll be approaching it like it's like it's a you know national tournament or a Big Ten tournament something like that. Yeah, um, and and I guess uh, you know spinning off of that, you know we obviously can't you know a couple of the other ones have been talking about some of the top performers. Obviously, we can't yet because they haven't actually left. Um, but uh, you know more in terms of next season. Um, you know, you talked about you you consider them playing in as one of the you know better teams in the Big Ten. Um, what do you think will determine where exactly they finish? Um, you know, at least for me, looking in, the the kind of big concerning spot for me is up front. Uh, you know, Davis, high expectations but an unknown, and then um, you know Costello, he's been all right but not 
exactly, you know, the best center, um, to say the least. Uh, right. do, do you think the issue is up front, and um, how do you see that factoring into the Big Ten race? Well, I gotta agree with you there, and, and replacing Brandon Dawson. I mean, and Brand, you know, Brandon was one of those guys who was up and down, but rebounding wise, you know, when he wanted to go get ten or fifteen, he'd go get ten or fifteen. There was that was never an, that was never an issue. So, uh, one of the best rebounders of the Izzo era. I think if you, you know, you got to look at that because that's a staple of Michigan State basketball, right? Rebounding, Michigan, you know, twenty-one years since Izzo's been the head coach. They've been, you know, one of the better rebounding teams, I want to say, for probably at least the past 15 to 16 years. I think, you know, I want to say it started around 99-2000 when they won the national title. That's really when they started getting known for physical play and, and really, you know, feared for their rebounding. But I think replacing that's got to be got to be one of the top priorities of establishing some type of an elite scorer. And, you know, we talked about Aaron Harris. Maybe that's him. Uh, Matt Costello. Being a senior, Thomas, I'll tell you this. this I mean, and Matt Costello knows this is his last year. You know, there is, there is no next year after this. So Matt Costello has got to approach this with more focus probably than anything. And it's not that he isn't a physical player because he really is. It's just that he turns it on and off. And I think that, that, I think that Izzo wants to see a guy who is high motor, grinding all the time. And in order to play that role, I think that you got to, you know, in order for Matt Costello to play the role that's necessary, he's got to turn it, turn it up a little bit. That's really that's really the only way to put it. So I think that those factors, the rebounding, the front court, that's going to determine a lot. As far as uh, the guard play, that's always been pretty solid. I don't think there's a lot to worry about there. Uh, Brent Forbes, as I mentioned, his improvement, he might he might uh, mess around and become that elite scorer for him, or at least leading scorer for him. I think I think Forbes got has 15 point per night capability uh, easily, and you know it doesn't take you know if you you average somewhere in the range between 16 to 18 points, uh, 19 points per game, you're going to be you know one of the Big Ten's leading scorers. So I think that Forbes, uh, you know, the benefit of him will be. Whether or not he kind of turns that corner as far as, you know, uh, uh, scoring every now and then to becoming a consistent scorer, that will also factor into where they where they fall in the big test. I agree. I You know, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see who, who can take the step forward. Because um, it, it seems like with Izzo, it's a, at least somebody every year, it seems like. Uh, right, yeah. You know, to see who, which of these guys does. Um and you know you you talk pretty in depth about them all, so not much for me to add. But uh, uh, but yeah, Adam, th- thanks for joining us. Um, any final thoughts on uh, Michigan State, their trip, uh, the Big Ten before we let you go here? Um, not really. Just funny story about flying. Uh, Kyle Arnes is not, and I, I think I forgot to mention him during the freshman. He's big, he's Big Ten ready. He's every bit of six six one ninety five. He's, he's probably I, I want to say he's probably tipping near 205. I mean, he he looks a lot bigger. Um, Kyle Arnes is not afraid to fly. He loves it actually, but he told me that his father went on a trip to Germany, so he, he had to fly over the Atlantic. And uh, because of that flight and the heavy turbulence, he, his dad will not uh, get on a plane. And, and Kyle was saying how he was, you know, playing in the EYBL and how he'd go to tournaments. I think one was in uh, Texas or in, in uh, also out in Los Angeles. And his dad just 
you know, <laughs> they got a, it's like pulling teeth trying to get him to go because he won't get on a plane. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Deontay Davis, kind of a shy guy. He'll open up a little bit. Uh, Matt McQuaid, babyface, uh, really smooth shot, though, Thomas. I think that we're going to see, not maybe not this year, give him, you know, sophomore year, his junior year. I think Matt, I've re- you're well from you know you're well versed in Nick Stauskas. I think Matt McQuaid's got a little bit of Nick, Nick Stauskas in his game, so I'm excited to see him as a junior actually. So, uh, yeah, and other than that, it's uh, like I said, it'll just be business as usual for them, and you know they'll return a uh, closer team and and hopefully improved on their end. Yeah, well, uh, Adam, thanks for joining us and thanks for the insight. Uh, I'm sure all our uh, Michigan State fans will enjoy it. Hey, I appreciate it. Anytime, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and again, that, that was uh, Adam Biggers. Uh, he writes for Today's U, which is a, a great college site. Um, you know, if you're a big uh, college football fan, um, as well as college basketball, uh, they have a lot of coverage, uh, both in the Big Ten and across the country. Recommend everybody check them out. Uh, follow them on Twitter. Um, and again, Adam also did, uh, he does some freelance stuff for us uh, now and again. Uh, we're looking forward to him popping in here and there, on, both on the podcast and on the site, um, with some contributions this season. But as we as we wrap up our uh, our podcast here, we have one more team to talk about. We have Illinois, and to help us out with this, we have Graham uh, from our staff, and also uh, the Gross Report, which is a uh, Illinois blog. Uh, Graham, how you doing today? Good. How you doing? Good. Good. Um, so we'll we'll jump right into it here. Um, obviously, you know Illinois had a very tumultuous trip, to say the least, uh, overseas. Um, why don't we step back before we jump into it? Um, what were kind of your general thoughts on Illinois uh, at the end of last season? Kind of a an underwhelming finish and going into next year. Right. So uh, the end of the season obviously was a disappointment. Um, Illinois finished with a slightly above 500 record, um, but we now lose a couple big seniors in Ravante Rice, who was our leading scorer, um, as well as Nana Egwu, who was our best defensive player and anchored down the middle. Um, so going into the 2015-2016 season, there was initially going to be uh, at least a glimmer of hope with a top 20 recruiting class coming in, um, most notably featuring Jalen coleman lands out of the Indianapolis area. Um, but yeah, Illinois was really just, uh, looking to get some experience under their belt with this European trip, but obviously, uh, it kind of took a turn for us. Yeah. And why don't we, why don't we talk about that, uh, to start off, obviously the most, uh, talked about thing was the, uh, I guess the arrest and the suspension, uh, yeah. what, mm-hmm. what's your take on it? Uh, why don't you run through the events quickly for, uh, for people who aren't familiar with it? Yeah, so Illinois was playing four games in Europe. They're going to be in uh, Belgium, the Netherlands, and in France for a little bit. Uh, And so before their third game in France, uh, they're in Paris. Um, Darius Paul, who is a 6'8 transfer forward for Illinois, um, was arrested uh, past midnight uh, in the streets uh, in a small town called uh, Deauville. And it was for, he was charged with vandalism, public intoxication, and resisting arrest. Um, obviously, he sobered up. Um, the coaching sa- staff uh, dealt with him and sent him immediately home. Um, and for a little background for those who don't know, 
This is actually Paul's second arrest in two years. Um, he came in as a transfer forward from Western Michigan University, where he was the MAC Player of the Year. Uh, and so he had to sit out a year due to transfer eligibility rules. But in 2014-2015, he was supposed to be a part of the team, but he was suspended um, because he was arrested in Champaign at the University of Illinois, also for public intoxication and resisting arrest. He was suspended for the entirety of last season, and now it looks as if he'll likely be suspended for the entirety of this season, if not completely kicked off the team. Yeah, a uh, a rough, um, I guess, series of events for uh, Paul in Illinois. Um, why don't you just take one second? Uh, how do you think that impacts the team uh, both this year and potentially uh, down the road? Yeah, it hurts Illinois. Um, we had been a little bit thin at the big man position this past season uh, with Egwu having to play a lot of minutes and our backup bigs and uh, Maverick Morgan um, was uh, less than less than subpar, um, and Leron Black is more of a four position. Um, and so Paul at 6'8 is supposed to play that, that four position for Illinois, so this loss uh, really hurt them depth-wise last year, and will obviously hurt them um, depth-wise this year. And also, you know, from a, a mental standpoint, this has just got to be degrading for head coach John Gross. Um, you know, having to lose the same guy after giving him a second chance has got to be really tough on team mentality, especially with Gross being on the hot seat this coming season. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult, um, but it's a mental hurdle that the Illini will have to overcome if they want to have any type of success this season. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess to, uh, you know, obviously a hit, it's going to be interesting to see how much of a hit it is. Um mm-hmm. But to kind of to kind of spin off to another angle, so we aren't, you know, we did a podcast recently on the, uh, you know, the Tracy Abrams injury. You know, mm-hmm. Illinois fans have not been in the best place for the last couple of weeks, uh, to put it uh, lightly. Yeah. Um, so, what were some positives from this trip, and uh, things Illinois fans can look forward to, uh, you know, from this trip for next year? Right. Um, so the positive is Illinois did actually have a 3-1 and record while they're over in Europe. Um, they're playing a couple different teams, mostly club teams. Um, so their first game, they beat a team called Wargoom, 68-63, uh, uh, playing over in Belgium. Um, then they proceeded to lose to the Dutch national team, 81-54, to getting absolutely blown out. Um, but yet again, this is a team that's had a lot of experience, especially uh, playing over in Europe and their uh, an Olympic candidate, so that's not as um, much concern. Uh, they beat also beat a team called Bretigny uh, Select in Paris um, fairly handily, and AMW Select uh, 96 to 77 in Paris. So that's a three and one record is actually a pretty positive um, takeaway for the Illini. Um, a big bright spot was uh, power forward Leron Black. He's entering his sophomore year. He was. Uh, I believe uh, 42 in ESPN's top 100 for the class of 2014. Um, And Black had struggled a lot last season uh, with foul trouble um, and just getting into foul trouble early. Um, He didn't have a consistent uh, performance night to night as far as points and rebounds show. Um, But during this campaign uh, in Europe, he had three double-doubles in four games, averaging 14 points and 11.8 rebounds, which obviously is a a big, big uh, positive for the Illini, um, even more so with the loss of Darius Paul now. And Black's going to have to play uh, big minutes for the Illini this year. That's positive. Yeah, I'm I'm happy you brought up Black. Um, 
you know, he's kind of a guy who doesn't get talked about as much. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he didn't have the best year last year, but um, really a guy with a lot of potential, a high ceiling, and I think he could be a difference maker if he does continue to play like this and step forward. Uh, do you feel the same mm-hmm. way? Or? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, he's got above average athleticism. He's more of a, a hustle guy, so he's not going to be, you know, uh, an offensive finesse player. He's there to fight on the board. Um, and I saw a pretty cool quote on Twitter earlier this week um, when a reporter for uh, LaRon Black went out to University of Illinois. They asked him, what's your goal? And he said, I want to be the all-time leading rebounder at University of Illinois. So um, Black's got a lot of drive inside of him, and it'll be interesting to see if that comes out this season, um, especially in Big Ten play. Um, and it will be interesting to see if he can compete against uh, some of these more athletic guys. Yeah, and, um, you know, outside of Black, who, you know, Illinois fans will be pretty familiar with, um, who was one of the newcomers that that impressed you? Um, obviously, uh, both newcomers in form of transfers and uh, on the recruiting trail. Uh, who was someone who really stood out to you? Yeah, so uh, our most pri- uh, Illinois' most prized recruit, uh, Jalen Coleman-Lands, was sidelined with a stress fracture in his leg for the trip, so he wasn't able to play. Darius Paul was actually injured at the time, so he didn't get to play at all either. Um, but an interesting thing that came out was um, DJ Williams. DJ Williams is a 6'6 uh, guard uh, forward combo um, out of Simeon, and he was also an ESPN Top 100 player, um, and he's coming in this season. Um, like you said in the past with uh, the Tracy Abrams injury going down for the second straight year, Illinois finds themselves in a very interesting position um, with only one true point guard on the roster. Actually, sorry, now two. You got um, Jalen Tate, who is going to be a junior. And then you just got a brand-new transfer, Khalid Lewis from LaSalle. Um, But because of this European trip, John Gross was able to experiment a little bit with different lineups. So DJ Williams, who's 6'6", actually got to play a little bit of point guard, which could be a really interesting look um, for Illinois this season, especially having that bigger lineup. You'd start, you know, DJ Williams, you'd get Kendrick Nunn at the shooting guard, um, small forward, you throw Malcolm Hill, and then you've got Black and new transfer center, Mike Storm Jr. Um, Illinois could have a pretty athletic lineup. Um, reminds me a little bit, actually, of Michigan State this past season, uh, being able to run the floor really well um, and rebound athletically. Uh, it should be it should be a really interesting team to watch, even if there's not that high of expectations. Yeah, and, and to talk about that a little bit, I know um... – you know, on our last podcast, we talked a lot about Abrams. You know, the real, the substantial hit uh, that was going to be. But you know, Illinois has landed a transfer uh, since then in the backcourt. Um, why don't you, Why don't you talk about for a second uh, what sort of impact uh, he could make next season? I know uh, I don't believe he went on the trip with the team. No, he didn't officially join the university until the team was actually um, in Paris. Um, so. It was, uh, we haven't really seen much out of Lewis yet. He wasn't um, super productive at LaSalle. I believe he averaged just over four points per game and a little over three assists. So the Illini don't get a huge boost at the point guard position. But, um, you know, this late in the offseason, um, the Illini were lucky to even get somebody to, to plug that hole. So um, don't expect Lewis to be some sort of huge difference maker, um, but just a guy who can run the point and distribute the ball um, to the other shooters on the floor. Yeah, um, and, and to kind of, uh, I guess, you know, we've talked about uh, Black, who could potentially uh, improve for next year, some of the newcomers, uh, some of the transfers. Uh, 
you know, the one, I would say the centerpiece that seems to be kind of emerging, um, you know, as I talked about earlier with uh, to Adam uh, about Michigan State, I've been kind of recapping the last season team by team. Um, when I did Illinois, uh, the interesting thing to me is I was expecting Ravante Rice would be the team's best player, like, by far. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I did, in terms of efficiency, you know, Rice probably was the best player, but the guy who I really, I think, underrated a tad or at least didn't expect it uh, was Hill. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of contribution, he probably outplayed Rice last year, um, and he's probably set to be the team's centerpiece this year. Um, what did you see out of him on this trip, and uh, how do you see him fitting in next year? Yeah, Hill obviously is going to be a huge component for Illinois this season. Um, when Rice went down with that uh, – nine-game suspension, Hill pretty much took over the team. He scored uh, in uh, more than 20 points in, I believe, three or four different games. Um, He led the team to that uh, really big upset win over Maryland at home early in the Big Ten season. Um, And Hill really kind of embodies this Illinois team this year. He's going to be – he's going to have to be the leader. Um, He's going to entering his junior season. um, And some have him pegged, you know, third team, uh, second team, all Big Ten uh, preseason. Um, but Hill should be a really, really interesting player to watch. He's out of uh, East St. Louis um, at Belleville and just on the Illinois-Missouri border. Um, he actually averaged over 25 points per game in high school, which is really impressive to, uh, to see a guy come in, average 25 points per game, then only score four a game his freshman year, but then to expand that to over 14 points per game in his sophomore year. So Hill's been growing a lot over the past couple of years, um, especially putting over tw- uh, 20 pounds on over last off season. Um, so, yeah, he's going to have to be the focal point. Expect him to be Illinois' leading scorer. Uh, I don't think it's ridiculous to expect 15 to 6 from him this season. Um, but he's also going to have to take on a more vocal role, especially with Tracy Abrams being gone for uh, a second straight season. Um, he's going to have to provide some of that veteran leadership to some of those younger guys on the team. Um, so it should be interesting to watch his development in that system. Yeah, and, um, you know, we talked about, you know, one, some of the things we may have learned. Um, who may step up? Uh, what, what are some questions that are still out there on the Illini um, coming out of the summer? Yeah, um, you know, the point guard position still remains a really big question for Illinois. We haven't seen Lewis play yet. Jalen Tate is kind of an offensive nightmare, can't really shoot the ball. His, uh, his assist ratio to turnover ratio isn't terrible, um, but Illinois really needs somebody who can distribute the ball. Um, it should be interesting to see what they do at the point guard position. Um, it will also be interesting to see how newcomer transfer Mike Thorne Jr. Uh, adapts to the Illinois system. He's a 6'11", 270-pound uh, center out of Charlotte, um, and he transfers to Illinois with only one year of eligibility remaining, and he's going to anchor down that, that uh, the post for the Illini this year. Um, you know, Illinois has really lacked a strong post presence, arguably, since uh, the departure of Myers Leonard, who obviously now plays for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, but Thorne could, uh, Thorne could be a huge impact player for Illinois. He averaged over 10 points per game and seven rebounds last year. Um, so it should be interesting to see if he can p- compete down low with the with the big guys like the Hosses and Hammonds of the of the world. Yeah, and, um, you know, we've talked about some of the questions, uh, who may step up, who's been playing well. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what what a lot of Illinois fans are wondering, um, you know, my kind of thought process was coming into the summer, they were probably a fringe bubble team, you know, mm-hmm. probably a, a bit short 
Um, you know, and unfortunately, some rough yeah. things have happened uh, this off season. Uh, do you agree with that? Um, and if things do go right, where could you see this team landing? Um, you know, that's a hard question to ask, uh, especially entering this season. We finished, you know, nine and nine in the Big Ten this past year, and it would be it'd be difficult for me to say that they're going to finish above five hundred this year um, in Big Ten play. There's a lot of obstacles they're going to face, um, especially with running a uh, fluid and set offense. Um, but a lot of that is contingent, going to be contingent on the play of the point guard position of Hill and Mike Thorne Jr. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, but as of right now, I do not see Illinois as being an NCAA tournament team for the third straight season. All right. Um well, Graham, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, do you have any uh, final comments on Illinois, the international trip, or the Big Ten before we let you go? Uh, just one quick random thing. Um, Mike Latulip, who was a junior guard going to enter his senior season for Illinois, um, announced that he's going to be redshirting his senior season. So uh, he played the Euro trip with Illinois. Um, so he is no longer uh, on the active roster, uh, which is another point guard loss for Illinois. Um, but he's a big fan favorite, so... Shout out to Michael Tulip for a strong three years at University of Illinois. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, Graham, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And, and again, that was uh, Graham. He writes for actually a few sites. Um, he does all, some work for us. Uh, he writes for the Champagne Room, which is the Illinois SB Nation site. And then he runs uh, the Gross Report, which is a uh, Illinois basketball blog. So um, if you are interested in Illinois or um, you know, just a Big Ten fan kind of trying to keep tabs on the team's uh, champagne room. Uh, Graham, great people to check out. But overall, that, that wraps up our podcast here today. Um, hopefully, I can kind of get in the rhythm here, uh, get these out a little more often. But, um, you know, we are we are sort of getting on the eve. I know, uh, you know, the NFL starting college football will be here sooner uh, than you can believe. And, uh, you know, college basketball will be right on the horizon. I know um, – we're starting at BT Powerhouse. We're sort of doing some broad preview type things right now. Uh, we sort of internally call it the Mile Out series. Uh, you know, some questions about the teams, some non-conference games that are uh, really big. So if you are interested in some of that, definitely check out BT Powerhouse. But um, September is when you're going to start seeing uh, our bulk preview stuff start hitting, and then October is when you know it'll really hit a flurry. Um, especially heading into late October. But um, again, thanks for checking us out, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you again. Thanks. Bye.